You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Four Rivers Smokehouse, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Week 2 is here, FAU's in the rearview mirror, and we look forward to USF on the road in Tampa. Should be a pretty good... uh, Gator crowd there in Tampa, even though Florida's the away team, it will probably feel a lot like a home game for the Gators in Tampa versus South Florida. So a lot to get into with that game. I won't have a guest this week. I've had a crazy week so far. I've had a, a jury duty on Tuesday. Uh, my daughter um, is homesick from school. So is <laughs> this been a whirlwind of a week, a little bit shorter uh, opponent preview episode here than I normally do, but uh, you know, USF, not a lot to get into with that team anyway. Kind of just it worked out that way, uh, but uh, so just dealing with a little bit of, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So uh, that's, uh, that's just the, the way I'll put it there. So hopefully, um, you know, this week goes by smooth the rest of the way, but plenty to get into with Florida, South Florida and uh, everything going on there. Remember, if you're watching that YouTube version, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. And whether you're listening to it on YouTube, watching it on YouTube, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast version, uh, you know, share, rate, review the show, leave a review on iTunes, all that good, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff really, really helps us out, gets the word out for Gators Breakdown. Uh, thank you all so much for a great first week to kick off this 2021 season. Uh, a lot of new stuff on Gators Breakdown Plus uh, and all these episodes we're bringing here on the uh, YouTube and, and Apple Podcast and all the podcast versions out there. Uh, everybody, However you listen to it, thank you very much for listening to Gators Breakdown and checking us out to start this 2021 season. So let's get straight to it. USF, ooh, man, not a very good team here. USF last week got beat by NC State 45 to nothing. 
But before we go there, we're still early enough into the season where we can take a look at uh, where, where, where this team come from last year uh, as well and where they're coming from. Jeff Scott was hired away last year coming from Clemson. Bulls finished the season one and eight. Now listen to these rankings for uh, South Florida. 102nd in scoring offense, 79th in rushing offense, 75th passing offense, 90th in total offense last year for USF. Take all that into account. Last week, they scored no points. Shut out by NC State, as I mentioned, 45 to nothing. So, woo, 271 total yards last week when last season they averaged 365. So, didn't even hit their uh, uh, average from last year. They were three of 16 on third down last week versus NC State and have three turnovers all interceptions last year on defense the 121st ranked scoring defense for south florida they gave up 45 points last week as we said 106th rush defense last season nc state ran for 293 yards keeping that trend going for a south florida defense that cannot stop the run they were ranked 60th in pass defense last season and the bulls had the 94th ranked total defense by giving up 400 and 41 yards a game last year. NC State had 525 yards last week. So in one game, South Florida looked worse in what they looked like last season compared comparatively. In one game, they've taken no steps. Uh, and in their last two games uh, of last season, they gave up 114 points to Houston and UCF uh, combined. To, you know, and yeah, 114 points last season combined to end the season against Houston and UCF. 114 points in two games. They started the season by giving up 45 points last week to NC State. Um, so, whew, I mean, tell you what, it's, uh, they gave up 212 yards rushing last season, 293 yards last week to NC State. Man, for, for a program that was probably looking for some growth in the second season of a new head coach, not getting it right, at least right off the bat, NC State, you know, a tough, scrappy ACC team, of course. Recruit better, uh, higher stature than, than South Florida. But, you know, I'm not sure they're 45 to nothing points better uh, there. But, man, so they gave up 212 yards rushing last season and gave up 293 in game one for a Florida team that ran the ball really, really well last week. Bodes well. Bodes well. So not much of an in-depth look here at South Florida game is much, much more about Florida and how they perform than it is USF. Uh, but we'll take a look back to a little bit more to last week, some, some some players here. Bulls might be changing, might be close to a quarterback change. True freshman Tommy McLean, a sophomore Cade Fortin, both played last week. Fortin a starter last Thursday. They both had the same number of completions versus NC State, seven. Um, McLean threw for 126 yards on 13 attempts uh, compared to 41 yards on 20 attempts for Fortin. McLean did throw two, two interceptions, though. Fortin will get the start again this week, Bulls head coach Jeff Scott said. A couple players, wide receiver Xavier Weaver was one of the few bright spots. You know, not a lot of bright spots when you look at stats like that uh, in their week one opener. He led the Bulls two catches, 73 yards. Uh, and you heard just how bad they played defense last week. Uh, but linebacker Andrew Mims ended the game with 14 total tackles. That was a career high. For him, so just a couple players to look out for there. If you could take anything away from Game One uh, in South Florida, and now translate it 
to what they can do, maybe do uh, versus Florida. So with that, you know, vanilla approach for, for, for Florida, not much game planning uh, when, when you look at this. Uh, you're saving a game plan for Alabama next week. That's not to say, um, you know, you're not running certain plays you'll run versus Alabama. You're hiding a whole lot. It's just pretty much game planning. You're not, there's nothing Dan Mullen's going to do that will surprise Nick Saban all too much. Can you have some wrinkles? Can you have a few new plays? Yes, but for the most part, the base part of it, these two know each other very well. So a week before Alabama, yeah, I expect a, a vanilla approach. Not much game planning, but you're not running this whole brand new offense next week versus Alabama. That's just not the way it is, not the way it goes. Um, and you know, Chris Lake on Twitter, he and, he and I had this conversation. He brings up a good point, and, and, and he's saying this too. When you look at South Florida, what they struggled with last year, what we have already seen them struggle with again in week one, Florida can go out really if they wanted to and go run for 500 yards versus South Florida more than likely you know, if they want to. But you have to work on the obvious. And you know, that played a little bit into last week as well. Uh, but more, more so this week, I think, too, you know, the week before Alabama, go out there and work on the passing game. Go out there and work a little bit on uh, Emory throwing over the middle, throwing to the outside. Things we'll get into just a little bit later as well as we, when we go position by position. But, yeah, I mean, the Florida – what is Florida really – much like we said for the scrimmages and stuff, what is Florida really going to learn about itself knowing they can go out there and just run up and down the field on this team? Now, don't get me wrong. I do want to see the offensive line be able to prove they can do that again, but I think you'll get a pretty good feel if they can do that. And like, okay, well, we run. We run the ball for seven, eight yards a pop. Let's go work on the passing game a little bit. So vanilla approach, but we'll just go work on the things you need to go work on. One thing I think we should need to get into before we, uh, we're, we're looking at what I want to get into for each position for this game, uh, for, for the Gators, and, and Todd Grantham. Uh, and this week, speaking to the media, is going to be a hot topic, of course, uh, because uh, a lot of what we noticed last week with this defense, popular subject coming out of last week was seeing the cushion from the corners uh, and on third down leading to easy conversions for an opponent, another opponent. Uh, and, and Grantham was asked about it this week and responded that the Gators will play more press man coverage. Hopefully that helps these DBs and specifically someone like Kyrie Elam for, for, for me, where to me that is one part of a game uh, that's not like the others. He is a better man DB than playing and figuring out his own. It just doesn't suit his style of play all too well. Now, look, we know you can't play man all the time and, and in certain formations, but in, but in these zones dating back to last season and at points of the game last week, they get it just too far off, too slow to react. And, and now that did that get better uh, with, with the same looks Florida saw again? And, and it, it did. Florida saw some of those same looks again, uh, and they reacted. They stopped FAU now without without a conversion in the third quarter. Florida saw a lot of those same plays, a lot of those same looks for FAU. They worked for that team earlier on. At least the recognition was there to say, okay, now we know what's coming. And that's kind of another thing about first games. A lot, a lot of newness is thrown at you. A lot of things that you study on film from an opponent doesn't necessarily show up. Uh, and they, you know, now with Perry and FAU, of course, they now with a better quarterback on the roster for them, they can probably open up the playbook a little bit. So, you know, there were some new things they probably showed. Florida saw him once, didn't really bite Florida uh, again. Uh, Todd Grantham did say they did a good job of working the game as far as understanding here are the things that are coming. Uh, he goes, and we played them a little bit cleaner the next time that they saw them. I think we just got to continue to coach them that way and progress them that way because they're talented guys that just need reps. 
and he kind of went on to explain about more playing press and press man coverage. And he says, when you get up and press a guy, it's going to be based upon splits and things like that. So you don't get rubbed. If you tell a guy to go play man and there's a guy within close proximity, offensive guys like to use the word rub, but in reality, they're going to pick you. So you've got to have the tools within your defense to be able to handle those mesh routes and those rubs as they like to call them to be able to play tight coverage. So there you go. That's the way Todd Grantham is discussing and what he sees playing man versus zone sometimes. Uh, and look, I, the, the argument is not to play zone, at least for my, at least from my perspective, uh, perspective, but to play zone better. Maybe not off as much, maybe not back as much. Line up at the sticks, not past the sticks. Play faster. Play more aggressive when reacting to the play in front of you. And hopefully we see more of that this week. And like I said, Florida did get better in that regard when they once they saw some plays, they reacted. You know, maybe now with some film and all that, okay, now you know what to expect from an opponent. So maybe the first time you see it, you're lined up correctly. You're not so far off. You're not playing so far off. You're not backpedaling uh, right before the snap and basically putting yourself in bad position. As soon as the ball snapped, you're already backpedaling. You're already out of position. Uh, now we just need to see little little tighter zones, maybe a little more man. That will probably go a long way. So <laughs> that uh, uh, so just, just some more man concepts. Grantham says the Gators, would, he says they'll play more. We got to go see it. And hopefully, hopefully, Translate into some of what we saw last week. Hopefully that helps more three and out from this defense. Something I want to see coming up this week. The Gators only had one three and out last week. And hopefully tighter coverage, all that. I kind of brought this up before. Possibility for more interceptions. The Gators were nowhere close to even getting one last week uh, based on coverage. Uh, with that havoc up front, with the sacks and the pressure, that should be happening. You should have guys in position for an interception. More, you know, more so than what we see right now. That should be happening, but a lot of it's due to the soft coverage behind that havoc. So maybe, maybe, you know, this first game, Grantham's going to go what he's comfortable with. Maybe not show, like I said, vanilla approach. Maybe not show much. If Grantham is going to change, maybe you don't show that part of it until Alabama. Maybe you work on it a little bit versus USF. Like I said, you're not hiding a whole lot. If Florida's going to play more man, if Florida's going to play more zone, it's still going to be within Todd Grantham's scheme, not a brand-new scheme altogether. It's going to be within his scheme with just some tweaks. Maybe we don't see those tweaks for another couple games. All right, let's get into uh, the position previews. But before we do, football season's also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse. Named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Got to have brisket. Got to have those ribs, too. I don't know which one I like better. According to what day it is. Brisket, ribs, give me both. Honestly, get those home-style sides as well. Fresh-baked desserts at any of Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate-ready so you can spend more time watching those games. You don't have to cook. Let them cook for you. Watch those games, not the grill. Enjoy the gridiron pack for four for $54.99 or the party for 12 package for $109. Each package comes with Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, homestyle sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. So now through September 30th, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. 
Gators, whether you live in Gainesville or just in town for the game, swing by Four Rivers, Gainesville, located in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating at home this week in Orlando, Jacksonville, look, the game's in Tampa this week. You can even take it to the tailgate in Tampa. Or if you're at home in Tampa, Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida with Four River Smokehouse. All right, here we go, guys. Let's get into what I'm looking for for each position here for the Gators going against USF. Quarterback, of course, we start there. Just more consistency from Emory Jones. Started the game off well last week. We could, if we would have seen the rest of the 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 rest of the game play out that way for Emory Jones, we wouldn't be having the conversations we had this past week. So said before the season that it, it wasn't going to be as consistent as we saw with Kyle Trask. I never expected that one bit, but I expected bigger plays to help make up for it. That didn't really happen either last week. Can you get more explosive out of the offense? And that, that comes with all areas that showed up last week for Emory Jones. Mechanics weren't great. That's tough to fix this time of year in the season. But what about the other aspects of the game? The timing, the reads, coming off your first read, when to put touch on the ball. Accuracy is going to be up and down. We knew that coming into the season. At least I, I knew that coming into the season. He wasn't going to be Kyle Trask accurate. But I didn't think he had to be. I didn't think he had to be. But it needed to be better than what we saw. Going to be up and down. Uh, but, you know, the passing offense isn't going to open up more if the mental side of it isn't there. So we just need to see the other aspects come up as well. I know, you know, many want to point to him being taken out for Anthony Richardson on the third drive of the game. Look, that may have had an effect. But two points on that the other way. Yes, it could have played a part, but 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 should it have? That's that's the first point. Should it have really played a part in affecting Emory Jones' play after that? I don't really think so. Uh, and look, the first drive also could have looked good because there's more scripted plays, plays he's comfortable with, plays they practice over and over again, leading into that game to make sure the first drive we go we're going to go score. And here's the set of plays. So you know you could say you're in year four for Emory shouldn't have to just rely on scripted plays. So let's see, just see a better consistent performance here coming up. I'm not ready to give up on Emory Jones. I really want to go see him play versus USF and hopefully you know, play like, like the quarterback I, 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 I thought he could be. Like I didn't expect Kyle Trask out there, but I expected better than what we got last Saturday. So, you know, I think this could be a, a true two-quarterback game coming up versus USF. I'd like to see where AR is with more of the ones and, and the guys higher up on the depth chart around him um uh, as, as well there were some drops that didn't help him last week um we saw him throwing deep ball to a walk-on last week where maybe a better wide receiver is catching those balls uh and catching up to those deep balls like i'm not ready to give up on emory but i would like to see where what both quarterbacks do in similar situations one more time ahead of the big game versus alabama south florida only sacked the quarterback seven times on 277 pass attempts last season. Florida had six sacks last season. (laughs) USF had seven of all – Florida had six last week versus FAU. USF only had seven all season last year. They did sack the quarterback once uh, last week, but still, quarterback shouldn't be under that much pressure. I want to see them both in kind of similar situations versus versus USF. I think we – um, I think a lot of us want to see that to make more of a, of a comparison. Look, we heard the practice reports about Emory. Some of that stuff 
came true last week. We heard the practice reports about AR and maybe the offense looking a little bit smoother in week one. That's what or, or leading up to week one in the practices, in the scrimmage, and that's pretty much how it played out last week. But week two, let's see him. You know, Emory supposedly knows the playbook a whole lot better, knows it deeper, needs to write, write checks. AR, maybe ceiling's a little bit higher, more explosive, more raw. Might take a little longer to get to that ceiling, but can you really hold it back this much? Can we get some kind of comparison in, in, in the game, similar situations for both guys playing with similar style players? I think that's where I'm. That's what I'm looking for: more consistency from Emory, and then when AR is in, to put him with similar talent around him, so you get a better comparison of these two quarterbacks for one more week. Offensive line, as I mentioned, a sack there for USF last week. They had one, only seven last year. Leads to what can the offensive line do? For me, do what you're supposed to do. You know, ultimate decision day for the offensive line is going to come what you can do in SEC play. But with the focus on the run game, the offensive line needed to prove that they could at least handle the, the, the easier opponents on the schedule with that focus, and they passed the first test last week versus FAU. So go out there and do it again. That, that's what I want to see. Go out there and do it again. No sacks given up last week, so a good start there. You're playing a team that doesn't really rush the quarterback all that well. Um, your quarterbacks helped DeLance out last week in, in innovating some pressure, so we need to see DeLance. Get, but you know the, the pass blocking probably is what it is at this point. But I did say with this run focus, probably look a little bit better. He did look a little bit better. Not going to say he's some kind of stone wall out there, but look better with this run focused um, attack for the Gators. Pass blocking still a ways to go. So just don't put yourself in bad situations. And no, you know, no sacks last week given up. Need to see that again versus a team that has had trouble getting to the quarterback. Let's go to running back. My storyline there, does a hot hand with Malik Davis continue? How does that work out? And then, look, we didn't know who was going to take off last week for this Gator run game. Which running back was going to have the most carries? Which running back was going to, was going to have the most explosive plays? And Malik Davis is the one that comes out week one. So is there a continuation from that? Is that somebody else that steps up and has the explosive plays this week? Do does the, does the coaching staff now ride with Davis a little more after what he showed in week one? So there's some story. There's a lot of storylines about running back just because of what we saw last week with one player really separating themselves from the other, at least in one game. Does that do anything with the staff of making, you know, depth chart changes and in, in their eyes, look, these, all these guys are still going to play, you know, Mullen, and he's mentioned it many times. Can even say this for the quarterback position right now. Doesn't matter who starts. Who's going to get the most carries? Who's going to get the most plays? Who's for running back? Who's got the hot hand? Does it continue from last week? Does all right? Well, we know Malik. We've seen we've seen him in game situation. He might be back now. All right, let's let's go see. Let's go see if he's back now. Let's go give him 10, 15 more carries and see what he does again. Does he bust some more big plays? I think that that's the storyline I'm looking for. Can they ride with a hot hand like Malik Davis had last week, and that continues for him, or is it a different guy? And look, if it is a different guy, I'm not going to sit here and shy away from what Billy Davis did last week. He just may be, all right, um, your first carry was much better than everybody else's, so here you go. You're going to get more carries. I mean, I'm not saying it plays out that way. I'm just on a blanket statement. You know, the, the staff could have been impressed with Malik Davis all throughout camp. He showed it the first snap last, you know, early runs last week. Just keep giving him the ball. Does that translate again a week later? Wide receiver. 
do more of the expected top guys make bigger play, bigger plays? A lot of this comes into uh, the play of the quarterback as well. Wide receivers were held back just a bit last week versus FAU. Um, and, you know, if it now one thing that could help these top receivers, if many of these top receivers like Copeland are going to be the first read, does that play into them getting more targets? Henry Jones had trouble coming off that first target last week. Probably should have resulted in more, you know, targets and catches. Um, pretty basic passing attack last week as far as the game plan with the wide receiver goes. I think some of it was catering to Amory Jones uh, when he started struggling uh, and, and trying to settle the offense down, get something going in the third quarter last week. You know, do we see the coaches go with a more aggressive, complex scheme this week compared to last week in the passing game? And what does that mean for the passing attack in Amory Jones uh, in his first read, uh, whichever receiver that may be? And hopefully that also means coming off that first read. So it, w- it will be, you know, what is Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter, maybe even Twitt Wintermore. Those are your top three guys. But that specifically the, the, the number one receiver, whatever the – and honestly, whatever the first read is for Emory Jones, and that's something we had to focus on last week because that's where his eyes were going. That's where his eyes stayed. You know, if that read's there and that read is open, you can see that top guy getting a whole lot of catches because there's no, no, there's no need to come off that read. So that's why your top guys could have a lot more catches this week. More maybe complex routes run by the wide receivers, maybe getting open a little bit more, and then pass complete. Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter, move move the chains. Tight end. Well, in order for those guys to get more involved, look, they're very rarely going to be the first read of an offense right now. These guys are not Kyle Pitts. <laughs> so the, the first read is more than likely not going to be a tight end uh, there unless Emory just or Anthony sees something before the snap. Uh, but, you know, for, in order for these guys to become more involved, you know, the quarterbacks are going to have to come off the first read uh, a little more. That's where it starts for me. But continued blocking well as well. Some big blocks, big uh, you know, Kamori Gamble instrumental in that big Anthony Richardson run there. So just see the tight ends. Can they get? Can they become more involved? Kind of going back to the receivers a little bit. That's dependent on the quarterback. But if not, continue doing your job blocking in the run game. Let's move to defense. More consistent in stopping the run. You know, not give up five yards per run. You know, if you didn't count the sacks last week versus FAU, that's what the uh, Gator defense was giving up five yards carry there to FAU. Become more consistent up front. That's where I think that starts. I love the way they create havoc in the, in the passing situations. Uh, just some more consistency this week, especially in the run defense. We'll see if Lamar Goods is healthy enough to get some time. I want to see more from Desmond Watson. Um, just because I want to see him more. <laughs> and then, uh, hopefully he can go out there and, and be on the field a little bit more. Had a nice beat. Had a good play last week where he beat a double team uh, and, and made the tackle. But I do expect Florida could to continue to rotate players in and out, keep guys healthy and fresh. Maybe that affects the way these guys get into a groove there. Uh, but as this season plays on, defensive tackle, when you're looking at Valentino or, yeah, Valentino and Dexter and, and Newkirk and Truesdale, uh, those guys, and then the other guys that just mentioned Goods and Goods, maybe he comes back and plays a little more this week. Uh, Desmond Watson, maybe now, you know, you, you, maybe this week you settle down the rotation just a little bit in preparation for Alabama. Uh, but also, I think you want to keep those guys healthy uh, there. So it's pretty much checks and balances and, and weighing the get into a groove, maybe get tired, or maybe keep those guys a little healthier 
uh, by, by rotating him in and out. So delicate balance there maybe as the season goes on. Maybe not so much this week. Uh, I think Florida should, no matter who's out there, should be pretty much in control up there on the defensive front. Just want to see a little more consistency up there uh, from those guys. I mean, look, you can, it's hard to complain about six sacks and eight quarterback hurries, I think it was. Uh, but it was just some of those chunk run plays uh, there. And Mullen even said, you know, last week it was seemed like FAU was either gaining zero or 10 yards on run plays. Just a little more consistency, keep them down to two, three yards uh, a carry. I think we'll take that. Linebacker now, we haven't talked a whole lot about linebacker this week. Um, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. They didn't really do too much to get noticed. Um, you know, there was no huge gaffes there, but nothing really stood out either. A lot of names there, Miller, the Abate, Hopper, Moon, Bernie, all played, all rotated in. Nothing really special. The Abate coming at the quarterback a couple of times, rushing the quarterback stood out. Uh, Moon as well uh, in that regard. But as far as uh, Hopper had a nice um, uh, stuff in the run lane uh, uh, there too, but just not a lot of playing time either. As we said, ro- as I said, rotating into a lot of those guys, Miller, the Abate, Hopper, Moon, Bernie, all playing uh, there for the Gators. So, like, look, rotation up front, rotation on the second level as well uh, there from these linebackers. So, do they settle after seeing some stuff last week? Do they settle down a little bit more? Do we see the Abate? Look, he can't be predictable. So, it can't be, all right, the Abate's out there. He's going to be blitzing. You know, uh, and I don't expect that. You know, there was time early in the game when he was, uh, you know, chasing down a, a, a pass that was completed to a, a receiver. And just, you know, could, he, even he couldn't break down to make the tackle there. So even better pursuit uh, there from the linebackers. Uh, but nothing really special stood out last week. Nothing detrimental as well. I did find it interesting, Moon, getting time there last week in that more of a traditional linebacker. I want to see if there's more of that because it reminded me of uh, the Peach Bowl 2018 versus Michigan. Uh, I've noticed C.C. Jefferson uh, lined up at linebacker, standing up, playing more of a traditional linebacker in some situations, uh, some defensive formations there. So, you know, part of part of guys put, putting guys in different spots to keep the defense less predictable. Um, a lot of people have said that probably plays to some confusion as well. Guys not selling into one role. Guys, I think we can we can give up on that. It's been four years now. Guys are going to play different roles in this defense. A lot of little just they recruited the versatile guys are going to play guys in, in, in multiple spots there. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out here in year four. Wasn't to me, wasn't that bad week one detriment. Like I said, I like Moon at linebacker, did some nice things. Uh, Diabate, his versatility and being able to rush the passer as well. And these guys are going to play different roles. Might as well get used to it here. <laughs> so, secondary, here we go. Perkins will see more time at star. Good coverage there. Better than Johnson last week, I thought. Uh, Johnson had a time breaking down tackles. Perkin runs around like he's pretty comfortable uh, back there. Seems to be a little more aggressive. Um, this guy that just flashed on the field multiple spots um, there. I want to see Jason Marshall a bit more. Avery Helm was getting beat uh, a little deep a, a few times. So to see if Jason Marshall, besides that pass interference, I thought he had a good first game. The moment wasn't too big for him as a true freshman uh, coming in. So Jason Marshall, I thought, Showed some nice things last week. Can that translate into to, to week two as well uh, for him? The, and the, how much do the coaches weigh what happened last week there? I thought Perkins outplayed Johnson at nickel. Does he start to play more? And I thought Marshall outplayed Helm last week. Does he start to play more? I think that's something to look forward to is 
what's going to be taken over from last week's game, whatever happens in practice this week, and do we see more of a change this week in who gets what reps and how many reps uh, at certain positions there in the secondary. At safety, I can't stress it enough just because it was so much of a problem last week. We don't need to see it. We don't need to see a mirage. It needs to come true this week. Communication back there. Need to see it continue. A lot of things are continuation from last week. We need things that did well last week. Things that like the offensive line in the run game struggled last year. All right, one game's not going to give us an answer. Maybe two games against FAU and USF's not going to give us an answer. But we need to see it again. And so the communication back there on the back end needs to continue. Don't let that big gaff play hurt you where just some miscommunication from the safeties leave somebody wide open down the field for an easy score or a huge gain. We don't need to see that. We didn't see it last week. We don't need to see it again this week. Um, thought they did well in that regard uh, last week. Dean made his presence felt last week. Rashad Torrance, Mordecai McDaniel made some nice plays as well, putting themselves in the action and reacting to plays. That's what I like. There's, the safeties did not look lost last week. And whether uh, I brought up the big gaff play of something left – something being behind you where there's some bad angles taken at times. Yes. Not to a consistent basis that we saw last year, but these guys were in there making tackles, you know, getting to making a tackle and actually making a tackle, not bouncing off, not arm tackling and letting a defender or a, an offensive player get away from them. They put their nose in there and they made tackles. Like what I saw from that aspect last week too, from Dean Torrance, McDaniel, a little bit, of, a little, a little more physical presence about those safeties this, this past week. We need to see that again, too. A lot of this, as I said, a lot of this stuff is going to be translation. Can we see it from week one to week two? Can we – little consistency there. I know the opponents aren't the best. You have to start somewhere. Consistency starts against FAU and USF. Most of it against an overmatched opponent. I know. But just continue the good play from last week. Do it again this week as you prepare for Alabama. All right, here we go. That would do it for that preview of what I'm looking for for USF. Uh, quick look at USF as well. And I don't, I didn't give a score last week. I don't know if I should give scores or not. I mean, everybody kind of holds it against you or whatever <laughs> if it's not right. But for this one, uh, roundabout, uh, I don't think we'll shut a team out twice. That's kind of hard to do. Uh, they didn't score last week. I'll be looking for a shutout. Um, there. Uh, let's say uh, 48, uh, 48 10 Gators. There we go. Look, you call me. I didn't even prepare for a score. I'm giving it to you anyway. 48 10 Gators over USF. I think Florida's going to continue to rotate in a whole bunch of players, a whole bunch of young players, get some tape on them before the SEC schedule heart starts, where you can't necessarily put them in and get a lot of tape on them. They want to see what these guys can do if they have to put them in situations with SEC play coming up. So that's why I think you'll see a lot of young players play versus USF as well. 48 to 10 Gators, that's my final score here. All right, as we do every week, let's take a look around the SEC before we sign off on this episode here. And, yeah, I mean, not the slate it was last week. The SEC slate wasn't all that strong last week anyway, overall. But let's take a look at the SEC this week for week two. Alabama State and Auburn, noon on SEC Network. South Carolina, East Carolina, ESPN2, that's another nooner. Might want to keep an eye on that game to see if South Carolina can um, build on what they did last week as well. Uh, one of the top games in the SEC this week, another nooner on ESPN, Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Tennessee 
kind of very similar to Florida last week versus Bowling Green. Kind of a fast start. Wasn't able to sustain that start throughout the game. Pittsburgh team from the ACC rolls into town. These are games in the past Tennessee has lost. Can they get over some kind of hill with Heupel now? And uh, when Pittsburgh comes to town, that game is at noon. Of course, Florida, South Florida, 1 o'clock. Remember that, guys. It's 1 o'clock. It did get moved. It was originally a noon kick. But the game's going to be on ABC at 1 o'clock when Florida goes to Tampa to take on South Florida. 3.30 p.m., UAB in Georgia. We all by now have probably heard about the JT Daniels rumor and the oblique. We don't know how serious it is at the moment that I'm recording. Um, probably nothing major dating back to last week. And maybe people, some, some people saying that's why Georgia didn't press the ball down the field a little bit uh, last week if that injury was taken. Because it's just rumor now that nobody has really spoken on it. So we don't even know if the injury came in that game, you know, before that game, during that game in practice after the game, who knows uh, there. But that's kind of the hot rumor going around. We'll see if Georgia shoots it down. We'll see if Daniels plays a lot this week versus UAB. What does that mean if it's a lingering issue? We'll see. That's out there. We'll see if they can also kind of just keep up, uh, you know, not a letdown after they beat Clemson last week. 3.30 p.m. as well, Texas, Colorado on Fox. Interesting little game there. Texas A&M should have no issue, but – Neutral site game there. Texas A&M, Colorado, old Big 12 rivals there. Well, not rivals, but just play each other in the Big 12. Um, now Colorado in the Pac-12, Texas A&M in the SEC. So uh, pretty interesting um, when you look at it uh, that way that they used to play in a whole other conference. At 4 o'clock, Mercer visits Alabama. We know that one will be over with about five minutes in. Another one, Texas. Arkansas, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Might be a sneaky good game there. We'll be keeping an eye on that game. Texas, Arkansas, 7 o'clock ESPN. Can Arkansas get a big out-of-conference win uh, with Texas? And their big win versus I – mean, Look, and it was a big win versus Louisiana last week. You know, in tr- traditionally, should that be a big win for Texas? No. But new coach and start, Sark, you have been struggling uh, lately. Uh, Louisiana probably beats Texas last year. Come in, Sark's first big game. He gets that big win. Can he get another win over Arkansas this week? 7 o'clock, NC State, the team that played South Florida last week. They go to Mississippi State. Mississippi State had to crawl back and get a victory, fight back, get a victory last week in the fourth quarter. Can they carry that momentum over versus NC State? 7 o'clock, ESPN2, NC State, Mississippi State. 7.30, Austin P at Ole Miss. 7.30 to me, the game of the week in the SEC. I think everybody should be watching this one. Missouri and Kentucky, two teams that have been talked up a little bit, maybe surpassing Florida for second spot in the SEC East where you get your first big real look at these two teams here. Uh, Missouri struggled a little bit last week um, against Central Michigan, I believe it was. Kentucky, Will Levis look good at, at quarterback. But what happens now in SEC play here? Interesting game, early SEC East game. If one of those teams are going to take that second spot, starts right here head-to-head, Missouri and Kentucky. 8 o'clock, McNeese State, or McNeese, my bad. They're not McNeese State anymore. McNeese at LSU, see if LSU, what they look like bouncing back from the UCLA loss last week. And at 10 o'clock, Vanderbilt, Colorado State. Vanderbilt not off to a good start so far. Travel and play 10 o'clock at night versus Colorado State. All right, guys, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. 
looking at South Florida, looking around the SEC as well. Not expecting too much of a problem for the Gators in Tampa. It will be a hot one. It's going to be a hot one for sure, but uh, that's going to be the biggest problem, the heat, not the bull. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.